to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you've joined us as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah Masoni, I got to hang with you and your daughter this week. Yeah, because you invited us to a little party party. I invited you to a party. Thanks for coming. You came dressed to the nines. Both of you, I felt like, looked so good. Put us on Instagram, even. (laughs) Thanks for dressing up for me. (laughs) Gram worthy. Mm -hmm. You were totally gram worthy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. We had a viewing party for um, Hot Ones. We all watched in sync together and ate chicken wings. It was very fun. Did you eat any of the wings, Sarah? I did. Yeah, spicy. Not too bad. Not I too thought spicy. it was actually kind of good. Yeah, we um, were at Han Oak, so my friend Peter made us some wings, and he used our sauce, but just a little bit so that everybody could eat it. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was well sauced. I didn't think yeah. it was skimpily sauced. Yeah, I thought it was very good and very I fun. mean, come on, Sarah. I saw that what one of them's over 600 Scoville units and that yours is 71. Yeah. Um, the, How could they make it that hot? I, well, so I they're, they're messing around with different pepper breeds. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the hottest peppers keep getting hotter and ed is one of the ones that comes up with the different seed breeds so he he makes those ones that are really crazy hot. into yeah into the hot categories um yeah it gets wild we ordered the box we've eaten all of them they're spicy so we went to a tab and tag rally at the beach this weekend mm-hmm. and we had a taco night and we had a chili night and there was a guy who came with two gallon Ziploc bags with all of his favorite hot sauces. Nice. And he was telling everyone which one was the hottest and all this stuff. And it was really interesting to see how people love talking about the hot sauces. It's like well, a thing. It is a thing. They really do. And that's why I'm excited excited about our guests that we have on the show today. Me too. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, we want to thank our sponsor for supporting with Sony and Marshall. Thank you for helping us to spread the word about small women entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. We love you. Thanks, Market of Choice. 
So we have been checking in with past guests that we had from some of our beginning shows. So today we are joined with Robin Rosenberg of Bobby's Boat Sauce. She is based here Bobby's. in Portland, Oregon. Welcome mm-hmm. back. Hello. Welcome. So nice to be back. What an honor. Mm-hmm. It's so great to see you and to hear your voice. And if um, people want to look up the last time that we had you on the show, uh, it was in November of 2020, episode oh. 64. You can wow. um, you can hear all of us <laughs> chat about the things that were going on back then. But we're going to update and talk about what is right now for you and what's going on with Bobby's Boat Sauce. So first, let's connect people to your Instagram and your website. Yes. Uh, so at Instagram is at Bobby's Boat Sauce. That's Bobby with an I-E. And uh, website is bobbysboatsauce.com. And if you just type in boat sauce, you'll usually, it'll usually come up. So that's, that's cool. all you need to know. Well, because you said type in boat sauce, it reminds me of this conversation that you and I had one time after you did an event, which was a kind of like a boating event, right? In Seattle. And Uh what I didn't know, and you taught me that day, and then I've started to see it, of course, after that, that there is something for boaters called boat sauce that actually has to do with maintaining their boat. And it's not anything that you eat, but but did yes. you know that before the event? I can't remember. <laughs> well, yeah, I did. Well, this is the, this is why it's called Bobby's Boat Sauce. Is so you know, many years ago now, <laughs> when I first created Bobby's Boat Sauce whilst at sea on a sailboat, um, it was kind of a fridge cleanout. Um, you know, a free jazz in the kitchen that resulted in this sauce that I had never had a flavor profile like that before. It was like familiar and also really different. And it was really yummy. And it went with the fish that I made and it went with the eggs that I served the next day. And I was, you know, instantly hooked. And I thought, I'm going to call this boat sauce because, you know, why? if you create a condiment at sea, what else are you going to call it? So um, I brought it back to, I brought, you know, I brought the dream back to Portland. Um, I started the long process of becoming a legitimate product and company. And one, when I had a visit with a lawyer, we discussed, I just want to call it boat sauce. And they did a little digging and it turned out that that wasn't going to, that probably wouldn't fly because it's too broad a term um, to be really protected under a copyright. And so that's kind of when I first learned about what boat sauce like in general is, which is if you're a boat person, you most boat people, especially people in the wooden boat world. um, But I think it's kind of applicable to all boats have their own proprietary mixture of like turpentine and linseed oil and conditioners Mm. and you know secret ingredients that they call boat sauce and use it to treat your hull yeah Um, yeah so I had um so I had known this and that's why I called it Bobby's boat sauce but last uh last (laughs) last fall I went to I, I vended at the um wooden boat festival up in Port Townsend and yeah. 
um, more than on more than one occasion, some some you know old salty sailor would come up to my booth and go, ah, so what's in your boat sauce? And I was like, well, it's got you know aromatics like ginger and garlic and um and you know just like their expressions were like what what and they're like <laughs> like what kind of boat sauce is that and then by you know by the second day I was like it's edible <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's if a anybody asked me sauce. what was in my boat it's sauce, edible like, First boat of all, sauce. <laughs> it's edible it's not for your boat yeah it's so let's just Make that clear to everybody right now, just in case we have some old salty yes. dog listeners. Yes, if you're SEO fisher yeah. folk. Yes. Yeah. We do have a lot. Yeah, we do have a lot of fisher folks that have been on the show and listen. Yeah. So they could think that. Well, this salty is dogs. not they that kind of boat sauce. Yeah. No, I mean, somebody could try it. You never know. It might yeah. work. Maybe yeah. it would take the paint off. Yeah, mm. there is. I mean, it's it's it is an acidif- acidified food. Yeah, maybe it would work. <laughs> double. It could be a double purpose. Yeah. Well, I w- since you have been on the show last time, which was in 2020, so quite a while ago. Yes. Um, I think Three at that years. time you just ha- you had one sauce and and then a hotter version of the sauce. Yep. But since then you've done a bunch of products. Yeah. So I I think we should talk about what those products are and then um talk about what makes you decide to add a product to your line and when yeah. you decide to do it? Good idea. Great. Um, so yeah, so I originally uh created when I launched Boat Sauce, I launched um classic and hot. And and really, I mean, my first uh boat sauce was just one flavor, one one heat. And as I was doing R&D, I couldn't really, you know, I was getting too much feedback on like, this is too hot or this isn't hot enough. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to have two SKUs and that's great anyway. Um, so those were the two that I had. And and at that time, I had a lot of other um, ideas for different products. Uh, my next product was a special edition of boat sauce that um it was a marin a special marinara edition of classic and hot oh um, they were delicious it, they were they were yeah they were really tomato forward but also had like a little bit of brininess to them um and amazing i mean okay so the story with the marinaras were actually it was a production mistake <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I I moved co-packers and we didn't really have the recipe as down as we thought we did. And it came out really tomato forward and it was good. But I was looking at like, you know, um, whatever, 1600 units of each skew and uh-huh. thinking like, do I want one if people are like loyal boat sauce? Um, buyers and they pick this up on the shelf are they you know like I I didn't want somebody that knew what boat sauce tasted like to like encounter that as boat sauce and I also didn't want to like show up in the world with this flavor profile that I didn't want to keep oh so So, what'd you do well so I mean I had a it was a lot of product yeah (laughs) to like deal with and 
you know, it was like lemons, lemonade from lemons kind of situation. Like, let's make a new label and call it special limited edition marinara. I sold that for a while. And it's funny because it didn't, you know, it didn't sell great because nobody wants marinara in a squeeze bottle. And maybe pizza sauce. Yeah. Well, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I deliberated a lot about calling it a pizza sauce. It was an awesome pizza sauce. It was awesome on mozzarella sticks and it was actually the best with Indian food. Oh, weirdly. But, um, so I got to the end of that and, and it's funny because as soon as it, as soon as I finally cleared it out, I got like a trickle of like, what happened to the marinara? Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, and... I think you did a really good job of taking a situation where it was a mistake and turning yeah. it into a product that you can sell. Yeah. I think we all have to do that at certain points in time yeah. as food yeah. manufacturers. If you're making it yourself or you're not, or, you know, I think, I think switching co-packers we always hear that there's problems with that and that things change. And, um, and I'm glad that it was something that you could sell and that you felt good about selling and that you liked it. It just wasn't your usual product. So you I were mean, able to power if, through, you know, if you were the one doing the manufacturing, you could have reworked it into your next batch at yeah. probably 10% and no one would have ever known. Yeah. Sure, but it That's had already extra. been bottled. And, it had already been made. Yeah. yeah. Were there yeah. labels on it already or no? There were. You know, I had to take all the labels off. Yeah. And I mean, it was a real, like, it was also a real lesson. And, you know, I, there was a certain amount of pressure from my co-packer. I was having a real Goldilocks moment of, mm, I'm not sure this is right. We were switching too many. There were too many variables that I was changing all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you mean, Goldilocks moment? Like a gold, like mm, this one's too hot. This one's too, you know. This oh. one, just trying to find, make the, get it to be just right. And I, I think for my co-packer, I was being too precious, and I wasn't being. I was, I was being too compliant by not just making them wait and it was their fault well it was my fault for agreeing to it to be honest oh so you tasted it before they bottled it no I didn't taste it before they well I mean I had approved a formula okay and I went to the bottling but I mean on that at that temperature and at that moment it's just really hard to know what boat sauce is supposed to taste like and you know when it's not when it's not coming from the bottle and it's not at room temperature you know what I mean it was just I think there's there's a lot of pressure in that moment too though because you've had had people you've bought all the ingredients you've had them work on it they've made your stuff and it's like and it's not a not yeah. a, it's not like a small operation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Lessons. Well, you got lessons learned. That. You got yep. You, got you sold all the so marinara sauce. So marinara, marinara to this day is the only saw is the only product. My only discontinued current discontinued product. Um. So the then, cheese? what's that? What about the cheese? So the cheese. 
boat cheese. Yeah. So boat cheese is more of a special edition. Um, it's actually something that I've been making really for years in my own kitchen, um, uh, mixing uh, boat sauce with sharp cheddar cheese and cream cheese in the Cuisinart. And last uh, holiday season, I started making it in a commercial kitchen and selling it at markets and fairs. And now I sell it in three stores in Portland um, at uh, Provador, Mm. Well Spent Market, and Cherry Sprout. Nice. And I am... I'm still a company of one, so I've had some. I've had a lot of inquiries about the cheese, but I I haven't um, quite brought myself to figure out how to like scale it bigger, and I'm not sure. Um, I, I probably kinda... have to go to Wisconsin, yeah, right. <laughs> where they make all the cheese, spreads. right? And I mean, I don't know, dealing with going from dealing. Going from having like a shelf stable product to a refrigerated or frozen product, um, hard. I think I need more. I think I need more it's a help from buyer and everything. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. maybe you know you could go to Buffalo, New York, to the American Cheese Society meeting next summer and bring your cheese with you and see if you could find a co-packer. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you should join the ACS, <laughs> enter your cheese, and see if it wins in the there spreads. Okay. Get some hype. Yeah. Well, yeah. just Put in case we have we have um, you know listeners that are thinking of doing something that's in the refrigerator section. Can you just talk about what that is like? Like, is it is it harder? Is it easier? Is it because well, parts of it I mean, feel like for, okay, it's it's interesting because boat cheese and all my other products that I make besides boat sauce, besides the sauce right now are all products that I am sort of making on my own in commercial kitchens, which is the opposite of how I started boat sauce. I knew Mm -hmm. when I launched boat sauce that I wanted to go straight to a co-packer because I also had a full-time job at the time. And um, it was just the way I, I wanted to do it. So I'm kind of I'm reverse engineering the process with all of these other products. And yeah, refrigerate refrigerated products, um, you know, it's it's tricky because you need a lot of storage space. You need to store your ingredients, you know, you need refrigerators to store your products, um, store your ingredients and transport your products safely. And I'm fortunate that um the cheese actually freezes really beautifully so after i make it i just freeze it and i store it frozen um and that way when i sell it to someone they can keep it frozen and slack it out as they need it that's great i think that's a good way to do it some sometimes i think about because you know i sell a couple of things that um aren't like our sauces they're not um acidified and shelf stable but Mm -hmm. i just sell them at the market i do a chimichurri and a tahini I don't really wholesale them. I just sell them, you know, to my market customers. And so I keep them in a cooler and, you know, make sure that they're um, at a food temperature. And and sometimes it feels really easy. Yeah. But to do that wholesale, I feel like is much tougher. And so I think that um, freezing it is a piece for you. And so just something for people to keep in mind. Yeah. And I can transport it in some big coolers. I don't need a refrigerated truck right now or you know, that's um, nice. So 
Yeah. So, so that's the cheese. And, and so I launched, I had the cheese recipe down for years, but I launched that. And at the same time, I launched this other product that I had had in my head for a long time, which is sailor's mix. Nope. No, (laughs) the dust boat dust. Oh, boat dust. Yeah. So boat dust is a dry seasoning and it Mm. is, um, it's basically the dry, like the dried equivalent of Bobby's boat sauce. It's, I, it's all of the same ingredients, but in dehydrated form, except Mm. that rather than using, um, fish sauce, Mm. um, which I can, which there is a powdered fish sauce. I I decided to make it vegan. And so it's, um, a umami blend of mushroom, rice, uh, fermented rice extract and kombu. Mm. So the boat dust is, it comes in a little two ounce glass, um, shaker, you know, shaker. Yeah. And that I currently blend and, um, you know, pack myself, but I just found a co-packer for that. So I'll, oh, be, good. I'll be moving that. I'll at least be moving the blending to a co-packer. And that's great. It's weird because I had always wanted to make this and um, I don't think about it that much, but I use it, I use it quite, quite frank, frequently. And I, I'm been getting a lot of um, feedback on it from people who I think, it's usurped the ubiquity of Bobby's boat sauce in their lives. Um, and that I currently sell online um, and at well-spent market, Cherry Sprout, and a bunch of places through like fair. So there's a lot of places around the country, small little shops and boutiques that carry it, but I'm not selling it in currently not selling it at any of the big markets in Portland, like New Seasons or Market of Choice, where the sauce is. Do you think that will change once you have a co-packer help you with it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. You know what I'm... The, Did you try it on popcorn? Oh, it's... Yeah. Oh, okay. So... So that's the next product. No, that's not the next product, but... <laughs> but there's, there's a few... There's a new... There's a future popcorn product it's really good on that was the popcorn was sort of the impetus for launching boat dust is that it nice. make it a popcorn seasoning did any um old fishermen come to you and ask what's in boat dust <laughs> no i didn't have <laughs> dust at that time so. oh darn it <laughs> wasn't out yet yeah. <laughs> yeah. so so then the last uh product at the moment is my sailor's mix which is my like Chex really mix. savory, delicious um, Chex Mix blend that um, is really a limited edition product. I don't think I'm going to be doing it past the end of this year, but I will be mm. making a lot before the end of this year. It's just a oh, lot of work. Nice. It's an, a really expensive product that you can't really... Um, you can't really scale to profitability unless you decide to like extrude your own cereal product or something like that. You can buy cereal in large quantities. Yeah. Other than boxed if you need to. Well, I haven't, well, we should talk. I haven't had any luck finding 
appropriately sized large quantities. You know, I can't buy a truckload, um, but I haven't, I've done a lot of digging and I haven't found that particularly square, waffly shaped brand that made by General Mills. Um, so right now what I'm doing is I'm kind of looking at expanding Bobby's Boat Sauce into the snack world. And I have a couple more products that I'm developing right now. And I think one of them will be out before the holidays, which will be like akin to the um, sailor's mix, but a little more nut focused. That's nutty. Yeah. Do you do you enjoy developing new products? Is that part of what drives you to do all these new products? Is that kind of your thing? I love it. Yes, I do. And I mean, it's just like it's it's the fun part. It's um I yeah, I mean, I I'm I've always been a food person more than a business person and um it's it's like you know it's it's I feel like that's my artistry is like coming up with a really good flavor profile um I had a I spent a lot of time last year trying to do like a uh like a chili oil um product that I yeah I've given up on for now just because it feels pretty complicated but um yeah that was kind of like like my great white whale for a for a long time <laughs> and uh and yeah i i really have fun with developing it so i i think that like i also think that for bobby's boat sauce or bobby's you know in general like what i'm trying to do is maybe um make it less about the this sauce, which is a, you know, it's not quite a hot sauce. It's a, it's a really different kind of condiment, like, um, not putting all of my eggs in that basket, but really like taking that flavor profile of like slightly spicy tomato, umami, tangy depth of flavor and like bring infusing that into other products, like the cheese, the dust, and then like me popcorn mm-hmm. a potato chip that would be amazing i uh, think you could just call your brands like bobby's boat mercantile yeah and it in that income you know encompasses yeah. all these different things that you want to do and things you want to come out yeah. with that's a, uh, that's i've been i've been actually like wrestling on that of what, what do i call this and like i hadn't thought about mercantile so there you go. What about, <laughs> what about pantry? What's that? Yeah, our pantry. Pantry, Bobby's boat, Bobby's boat pantry. I think mercantile seems more like marine time. Yes, though, you know, so like it just fits with it. It fits with your branding. It fits yeah. with like what you're doing. And then you can kind of, if you get the most joy out of developing new products and that's what you're digging and that's what you're into, like make your business that you can. I mean, it is always risky to develop new products if you then can't sell them but if you do yeah. them, if you do yeah, them well, kind I, of like the opposite I mean, way you were like where you do them on a small level and you figure right. it out and then yeah. and then you can go bigger 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's really where I am right now is keeping the scale small. Um, and you know, and then I, I mean I also need some help. So all right. I well I, I think I don't hey, watch. Let's what? take a break. And okay. when we come back, I want to find out what you two women think about why women are superior sauce makers. Mm. Oh, I like it. About this. <laughs> Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. Who wants to start to tell us, tell the world why women are better sauce makers? Well, I wrote a piece about this, I think, last year or the year before for um, <clears throat> like International Women's Month. And I'm trying to think what my, I mean, I think that women are superior sauce makers because we are traditionally the well we're traditionally the people like responsible for making do with what we have on hand and That's feeding true. a lot of people and as you know mothers which i'm not but you know as a woman you know just um placating like picky eaters figuring out how to you know get people to clean their plates and get the flavors, you know, I think women have like, um, I don't know. I think women know what people want to eat and yeah, I, what tastes good. Sarah, your story is kind of the same, right? When you were working yeah, in social think, services. Yeah, I think there's a few different things. I think that, um, you know, in general, I think like in the sauce industry, I think women are kind of the underdog, you know, like, especially even, you know, when I started like 13 years ago, we weren't taken seriously. Um, you know, we weren't supported and advocated for, we were kind, like, when I would go Completely to sauce events, underserved. Kind, of, kind of bullied by these big mm. dude sauce makers. And mm -hmm. it felt really terrible. And it felt really, it wasn't so a welcoming rude. environment yeah. or place. Um, you know, and I think we've all kind of worked in our community, at least to change that and, and to yeah. change that messaging and to change how we treat people. So I think nice. that's part of it. I think when you've experienced those kinds of things, I think you do your best to create a better environment. And so I mm -hmm. think that's why, you know, the kind of sauce dialogue is changing. But I also think like, I think women are wonderful at all kinds of things, but especially sauce making and business, because I think we're more connected to feelings. I think that when we are mm -hmm. making something, we're thinking about how people will feel when they eat it yes. um, and how we want them to feel and that they want, we want them to be part of an experience. We don't just want it to be super spicy or just be like, this is so good or whatever. Like we want them to feel something and we want them to be stoked and we want their lives to be better. And so that goes into what we're making, no matter what the product is. So I think that, um, yeah, I think it's just different. I think it's different. And that's not to say that there maybe isn't like a sauce company that's run by 
some dude that isn't like that. But I think that's okay. what makes us in particular in this room different. I think it's completely true. Like if I think back 23 years that I've been here, the very first person I helped with a sauce was a guy. And then probably the second person I helped on a sauce was a guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe you actually, <clears throat> Sarah, you might've been the first woman that I really helped with a sauce. And then since then I've helped multiple like different folks with sauces, women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I went to the first sauce event, I won a Scovia Award that first year, and I was the only woman there. Yeah, and there, you know, there was two hundred sauce makers or something. So, yeah, yeah, it's and it's changing. It's different. I mean, when we think about Robin, how many people are in our sauce group that are women-owned companies? I mean, I would say yeah. there might even be more women-owned companies mm-hmm. than than men yeah. in, in the in the sauce group here. Yep. I was in a meeting last week about the regional food business centers, and guess what? It was ninety-eight percent women. There was like a room of forty people, and there were only like five men hmm. from the sixty area. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to to look at all you know all those things and all those numbers, and and really, I do feel like it is changing, and I think yeah. that that um, you know it's because of women going into other roles too. Like, I think there's more women food buyers than there were. Yeah. I think there's, um, you know, more women that are running co-packing facilities than there yep. were. I mean, I just think that yes, it, it, it's a, it's a changing environment and I dig it. I'm glad. We have a woman <laughs> director of the food innovation center. She just started on Monday, March. And Walker. that's the first time, right? First time. Yeah. And the college of agriculture has a Dean. It's a woman. The food science department has a woman um, in charge, that department head. We have uh, one dean, uh, associate dean, Yang Yin Zhao. She's Chinese Chinese, and she's a dean. Um, mm-hmm. 23 years ago, we had no women. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think if you think about just, you know, how new it is for women to be business owners to to own food producing facilities and um and businesses it's like kind of a new concept of our of our lifetime even though it feels like it shouldn't be but i think a lot of people were you know a lot of women were expected to be home or or whatever and um and so i think it's it's changing for the better so i think it's really great i think it's changing the whole economy of households and relationships i wanted to hear about the Father's Day giveaway. How did that go? You had a Father's Day giveaway. Um, that was like six months ago. <laughs> Remind yeah. me or four. How what was what was the giveaway? I don't know. You had a giveaway for Father's Day. And the other thing I noticed um that you were at the Ballard Seafood Festival, that's different yes. than the boat festival. Yeah. So I you're was... you're you're connecting with men because men really like to use sauce, yeah. right? Um, I actually it's funny because I think I I think more I think that my audience skews slightly more women than men. Uh it does. Um a little bit. I think that, I mean, there's definitely the, there's the boat crowd, but I think that the sort of like hardcore Bobby's Boat Sauce users is, is slightly more majority women because it's not a super hot. Well, I mean, I don't mean to like 
stereotype women is like not like um as heat seeking you know heat seeking as men that's actually not accurate at all but like i think that there i think that the umami the fishiness of it i think i in general think that like from doing a lot of tastings and stuff like that i think that you know it's i think there's a lot of women that love that flavor um i'm going Going through my Instagram right now. I know. I was just looking. Oh, it was a uh, Father's Day giveaway, and you were in with a bunch of other hots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I participated with a thing. I think I just always try to do, um, you know, one of the parents' days thing. Um, I thought you were going to bring up my related to fathers. How um, my one and only three star review on on my web site in my, in my store comes from my father oh <laughs> he gave my um instead of five he gave you a three instead he gave me a three-star review for my um bobby's boat sauce t-shirt oh which is a great amazing sort of like heather uh or like not organic cotton but like a natural cotton um navy heather with a with a back design of a of a a bottle of boat sauce uh, illustrated as a buoy it says permission to board. It's a great shirt. Um, my dad bought one. And then uh, the week after I sent it to him, I got a notice that I got a th- Peter Rosenberg left you a three star <laughs> review. <laughs> and he complained that the shirt was um, flimsy. That it wasn't going to last long and that I should <laughs> consider next time, consider get, doing a, an L.L. Bean style shirt. <laughs> Did you put him in charge? And I screamed at him. I got him on the phone. Like, I thought I was just giving that feedback to you. Oh, oh no. <laughs> he didn't realize, realize it was like a public me. broadcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Did he update it or did you refute it or anything? No, it's there. I'm I'm trying I'm actually trying to turn it into a <laughs> trying to fun. Like turn it into a thing. So I, I frequently mention <laughs> it in my newsletter and into um, a meme. Yeah, like, <laughs> a dad meme. I'm calling it well, the Bobby's Boat Sauce three star review t-shirt. <laughs> That's I love it. I out. thought, Sarah, that you were bringing up the Father's Day giveaway, so we could talk about giveaways. And I kind of would like to really quick. Yeah, talk about giveaways. Because are you about for giveaways all the time? So much. How can you afford it? I don't don't really really do them. Because I I, I think, I mean, you know, so I understand, this is what I understand giveaways to be. And this isn't like a donation. Like, I'm donating to your school raffle. I do those things all the time. It helps raise money for people that need it. But what I'm asked to do all the time from other makers is to do a giveaway like on Instagram where it's like, say, Father's Day or Christmas or whatever. And we all get each other to post about it and and everybody's supposed to follow everybody. And then you give something away and it's like, you know, $300 worth of product. So I, I think the idea is to generate like a buzz and to get followers. That's it. Which yeah. is like not my jam. Yeah. Yeah, That's how I've participated in it. And it's been, it's actually the Father's Day is the last one. And I got some followers, but I mean, I, um, to be honest, like, 
I do not care about that stuff right now. And I just think um, it's hard to like maintain those expectations of like when somebody's like, okay, we all have to post this time and then we have to yep. do this thing and then I have to drop off the sauce yep. and it's all my time. And like, I, I don't want to drop the ball, which I feel like I've done when I've been part yeah. of those giveaways before. I'm like, oh, I forgot because I'm busy. It's just not a priority. All of those new followers are just people that are looking for like to win a giveaway. No, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Like I do that sometimes, you know, yeah. sometimes I see something I want and at a friend yeah. at your friend yeah. or whatever yeah. i have That's never won one of those giveaways i haven't either does anybody win <laughs> i don't know but i don't sign <laughs> up anymore i've done I, I mean occasionally i will do one myself just as bobby to yeah. get people to like um write in content like hey post your favorite egg sandwich photo and that will get that sometimes brings in some more organic followers and gets mm. people excited and I'll sometimes I'll give away like a jug of boat sauce I saw you have jugs do you sell a lot of those um no but sometimes that's good it's I just think like around. if I'm going to band together with a bunch of makers I want to do something like rad and fun. Oh my God. I want to hang out. I want to eat food. I want to give money to some organization. Like that is where my time would be better. Sarah, yeah. I, the other day, I actually thought of a sauce aid two idea. I was wondering. Oh, that was going to be my that. next I can't question. <laughs> Tell everyone how they can go and find that song that you all did. That was so Oh, funny. Pass the Sauce. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's, if you it's type in Pass the Sauce, Sauce Aid, you'll find it. But I had an idea. I was like, uh, you know, I was like doing folding laundry or something like that. And I was like, oh, sausage, I should do it. And I had this like great idea. And I, I, you're the first person I thought of. I was like, I should ask Sarah what she thinks. And then I was like, yeah, except like everybody's busy, including me. But like, I'll think about it later. <laughs> now I have no idea what it was. Oh, well, maybe now that you've said it out loud, you'll remember and just that, text it to me. <laughs> we did. Well, one of the things that we did was we. So just to remind people who haven't gone back um, back in 2020, um, I kind of initiated this um, fundraiser uh, with all the sauce makers in Portland at the time. And we um recorded a really silly but like heartfelt song about you know helping our fellow restaurateurs because <laughs> everything was closed this was yeah, like it was high pandemic time. we um we sold downloads of the song to raise money and then everybody donated you know a few dozen um you know units of product and we created these like mystery bag giveaways of like three units of sauce to people who donated between like I don't know 20 and you know like open-ended donations That's and we raised I don't know a lot like four thousand dollars or something like that and uh, most of that went to Black Futures Farm yeah. um so yeah I thought about it and it was a total logistical nightmare <laughs> And I think that's that uh, we have to come up with a better solution to like collecting and sending out. The last thing I want to ask you about is does it float or does it sink? It, it floats. Okay. <laughs> Good question. I don't know 
know Sarah. what I don't know what specifically you're asking about. But well, you have that on your Instagram. Like, yeah. does it float That's or my does theory. it sink? Usually on Instagram it floats. Although, uh, the my does it float content, you know, is intended to have some sinkers just to keep it honest. <laughs> that makes sense. They are both part of this world. <laughs> High fiber keeps it floating. <laughs> well, Robin, let's tell everybody to get where to get your sauce. And unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. So okay. where people go to get boat sauce? Yes. Well, in the Portland yeah. area, is in as far as like larger groceries, you can find Bobby's Boat Sauce at uh, New Seasons, Market of Choice and now Whole Foods for the Pacific Northwest. Good job. And um, some of my local shout outs are Well Spent Market, Provador, Cherry Sprout Grocery. Um, uh, yeah, oh, um, not Yahala, but um, uh, La Bouffe in Montevilla neighborhood, which is my neighborhood. Um, and all in great stores all over the country. And if you are in shop in a little boutique store in somewhere outside of Portland, um, you should ask for it. And usually people will find it, um, through fair or other platforms. That's cool. Great. Well, Robin, thanks for joining us today. It was so good to see you and chat with yes. you. I always yeah. love to spend some time together. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us yeah. today. Very Thanks good. for having me, you too. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall, and we will be back next week, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.